Hey guys, what's cracking? It's Grams. It gives it crap. Oh boy, it is Wednesday, something something, February. I, I don't even care anymore. The days are all the same. I deliver to the same stops every day. I deal with the same crap every day. But I am not complaining because I get paid well every day. I guess I am complaining. Sorry. Guys, stories matter. But more important, the truth matters. And stories about history, real stories, true stories, probably matter the most. I've got like a car crash of three different things bouncing around in my head right now. Call it a, uh, a mishmash of recency. I finished reading a couple of books in the last couple of days. One of them was uh, kind of a biography of Geronimo, but more to the point that it was, it was like an interview that he gave with an interpreter um, you know, while he was imprisoned by the federal government near the end of his life, kind of giving a history of the Apache people, um, their mythos, their, their beliefs about the world and their race and creation and, and who God was and, and all that. And then talking about their encounters with, uh, with Europeans, whites, and uh, you know the, the forces that eventually became the military of the United States government, uh, featuring numerous officers who betrayed Geronimo and the Apaches numerous times. Uh, one correction that I want to issue, because uh, I mentioned this book a couple of days ago, uh, said that you know Geronimo was a name that he inherited from others, but his Apache name was, I said it was Goyathle, but I was saying that wrong. It was um, Gotlaye. So I apparently had been not paying close enough attention to the placement of consonants on that one. My apologies, sir. But I found that to be uh, a very informative account of basically every time that Geronimo trusted a, an army officer or army member who said, okay, we're going to move you here, then we're going to give you this. And then they were not given what they were said they were going to be given in terms of land, resources, stuff to survive. They were basically just moved around and used for labor until they were finally, you know, yeeted into uh, the territory where he would eventually go to die. Uh, very sad story, like it's no surprise to any real student of history that uh, the Indians generally got a crap deal. Um, it wasn't like perfectly unilateral, like, oh, here were all these peace-loving Native Americans that were getting along just fine until all the Europeans showed up. Like, no, they were totally warring amongst themselves and doing big, bad, mean, brutal things to each other, but, you know, that, that's not to say that anything that happened necessarily to Geronimo or the Apaches was justified, because that would be, be just like saying, like, oh, well, you know, this white guy did something racist 60 years ago, so all, all white people today are racist. Like, really, are we, are we seriously going back to this? Are we doing this crap all over again? Which relevantly leads into my next point. I just started reading a book. I'm not going to say the title or the author yet because I want to finish it. But uh, it basically deals with the fact that in the 21st century, people are 
rehashing fights that we had 150 years ago during the Civil War and either pretending or you know, that the reconciliation post-war never happened or you know saying, oh, well, this is the way that it should have gone. To, pardon me, but bitch, you weren't there, okay? I, I, this, I find this to be so, so infuriating. You were not there. You were not the one doing the fighting. And the ones doing the fighting said, we're not going to execute you guys. We're not going to make a big stink about this. We don't want to be unions and confederates going forward. We want to be Americans. You know, General Grant, the man who pounded the confederate military machine into submission, said, okay, we're, we're done with this. General Lee, I accept your surrender. Let's, let's put this behind us. And this book in the very early chapters is chronicling the efforts of reconciliation and the, in, in no uncertain terms, the repentance that was undertaken by both sides to patch up the damage that had been done during the Civil War. And here we are, 150, 160 years later, and a bunch of drug-addicted, window-licking brainlets want to go dig up this conflict and pretend that, that they're going to adjudicate it and quote-unquote correct it. And, you know, crap on anybody who had anything to do with it. And, oh my gosh, this is... Can you tell that I'm slightly passionate about this? Truth matters. Truth in history matters, especially. I just also finished reading uh, a book that, let's see, 9 plus 30, 40 days into 2022, I have found three books for the best of the year list. This is the third one, and I am very pleased at this rate because I found like only eight last year, and I think one of them I kind of had to reach on it. Um, the Legend of Bass Reeves by my boy Gary Paulson. Would it really be a best of year list if something by Paulson didn't make it onto the list? Uh, Bass Reeves, he was that man who was a, he was a bounty hunter, he was a marshal. Marshal is the right term, he wasn't a, a bounty hunter. He was, he, he was a, a badged and branded lawman. Like, he, he was legit, he was on the level. And, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm glad that I looked up this book and I'm thrilled that Paulson wrote it. This is kind of in the vein of his Woods Runner book. In that book, every other chapter was nonfiction. It was explaining some aspect of late 1700s life that we in the modern day wouldn't really understand or wouldn't know was commonplace to them. Uh, this one didn't have as many of those interluding chapters that explained, like, this is the way that it was, blah, blah, blah. But there were a couple of intermissions where, you know, you, you could tell this was Paulson's narration voice and not the... Uh, the third person omniscient narrator explaining what was going on with Bass Reeves himself, just saying like, okay, you know, this is in this year, this was legal. These people did this, this was this practice. Um, and it overlapped with another book that I read that made the best of the year list, Killers of the Flower Moon, that one about the Osage murders in the 1920s, um, because it explained the Oklahoma territory, they called it the Indian territory before it gained statehood as Oklahoma explained, you know, what were the geographic boundaries of it? Why was it this lawless pit right in the middle of the country before they discovered oil on it? And all of a sudden the government's like, okay, hey, we care about this place now. Um, Bass Reeves was a slave who 
you know, according to the story, and this is where it gets kind of tricky, and Paulson acknowledges this ahead of time, there are things that we do know, and then there is a lot that we don't know. And so when he was undertaking to kind of like write a story about Bass Reeves' entire life, there were things that he's like, I, I need to try to stay true to the spirit of it, but there are things that I'm, I'm pretty much just going to have to make up in order to tell a complete story for a novel sake. So, you know, the, the book has a subtitle of, like, this is the true and fictional account of, like, the greatest lawman of the West. Like, okay, you know, that's, that makes perfect sense, because if you don't have a whole lot of resources to study the life of this man, like, there's going to have to be some conjecture in there. And as long as you acknowledge that, I'm, I'm fine with that as a reader and as an historian myself. Uh, but the way the story goes, you know, he was born in slavery. He and his mom were owned by a man, and uh, at 17... Um, Bass Reeves kind of got in a fight with his master and accidentally, but in self-defense, killed him. And his mom was like, you've, you've got to go on the run. Nobody's going to believe that you did this in self-defense. And so at 17, at six foot two and 180 pounds, he goes to carve out a life for himself in the, uh, the most lawless and violent portion of the country. And that was the Indian Territory. And then, you know, goes and, and has a life, has a family, you know, buries one wife, has another, dude's got 10 kids. At age 51, he becomes a marshal. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, that's when he became a marshal? And he was a marshal for the next 30 years. <laughs> like, holy crap. He brought in like 3,000 people to justice and he only ever had to kill 14 of them. Like, bro, bro. And so a point that Paulson makes that I heartily agree with is the fact that, you know, we look at we look at Wyatt Earp and we look at Billy the Kid, and these are the guys that have been glamorized and romanticized by dime novelists and by Hollywood because they were there to kind of carefully cultivate their own legacy in a time when uh, you know external fact-checking was far less common than it is today. People saw a movie, whatever the movie presented, they'd be like, oh, that must have been the true story. That's a great story. I love the movie Tombstone from 94 where Kurt Russell plays Wyatt Earp and Val Kilmer plays Doc Holliday. I loved Mike Resnick's novels about, uh, about Doc Holliday, the, the Weird West series. Like, those were all great. But, you know, as Paulson lays it out, and this makes me want to go you know, read some biographies about uh, the Earp brothers, you know, Wyatt Earp was a horse thief, you know, in, in civilized America. And then he goes to Tombstone, which is like the wild lawless West where I guess things are so bad that a guy who's technically a criminal can become a lawman there. And, you know, he's basically involved in crime and also pimping. Like he's, he's running prostitutes. I'm like, bro. Like, so I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of the Kurt Russell version of Wyatt Earp than I am of that historical version of Wyatt Earp with the asterisk that I need to go read more uh, about the man in reality. Uh, you know, Paulson also calls out the legend of Billy the Kid, like, oh, you know, he's this romanticized, um, you know, young flame that uh, died out too fast. And he's like, no, we'd look at this kid as like a crazy school shooter. Like, he'd just be a sociopath if we were looking at just the facts and looking at him today. Like, oh, holy crap. You know, whereas it's a, it's a severe injustice that, like, we don't have monuments to Bass Reeves. We've, we've got some written records of, of his history and his life and stuff and then you know according to the epilogue that Paulson gives like we don't even know where he's buried like ooh, yeah that's uh that's a swing and a miss right there like this man who if if the facts that Paulson laid out are accurate and as I said with my Nathan Bedford Bedford Forest review like I have no reason to believe that they're not so far 
Like this, this man was an American badass, just an absolute hero and someone that we as a nation should be proud of to have in our history. But, you know, he didn't exist at a time where he got to cultivate and romanticize his own legacy the way that these others did through dime novels and through film. So true story matters, history matters. And I'm thinking about that as, you know, as I'm, I've been reading all these books and I've been thinking about, uh, you know, so, somewhat tangentially related. I guess today's the last episode of the Book of Boba Fett and a couple of guys that I trust watched it and really, really hated it. Like I'm reserving judgment until I watch it for myself, but let's say that I'm not optimistic. Um, I just don't trust these big focus group, internal politics, mega corporations to really be the stewards of our culture and our legends going forward and looking at the past maybe we never should have been you know and, and it's kind of a reach to compare you know star wars to actual history but the the point is like going back to something that i've said many times before do your own homework and don't listen to mega corporations because they've all got an agenda this is going to dovetail nicely into a point that I want to make at the very end. Uh, if you're subscribed to my YouTube channel, which I assume all of you listening to Radcracker are, uh, I got a video dropping on Friday that is very relevant to this subject. You know, talking about knowing who gets to keep you and tell your stories, you individually, us as a nation, whatever. Um, that is not an insignificant thing and we definitely shouldn't abandon it. We're going to be seeing it become more clear and apparent as the parallel economy continues to develop, as, as the mega corporations that hold the IPs that we loved as children and that were popular of yesteryear continue to ruin them. New storytellers will arise and I think audiences will be hungry for stuff that's good again, stuff that's great again, and most importantly, stuff that conveys true concepts and, and true values and true principles, things that matter. That is why I tell stories the way that I do. That is why I put focus on the things that I do, and most of all, that is why I do not embrace nihilism the way that is acceptable in popular entertainment. Like my stories are hopeful, my heroes are good. It's just why I, I do what I do. Tell the truth, everybody. Read good stories. I highly recommend that book by Gary Paulson and uh, the biography of Geronimo by S.M. Barrett. All right, I just pulled into my driveway, so I'm gonna go home. Stay rad, drive safe. Don't read bad books. Love you, see you out there.